Well, good evening, everyone. Can I just ask everyone who feels they're a great clinician to put their hands up? You see, that's the problem. He thinks we're lions. Actually, we're quite shrew-like, aren't we? We imagine we're not really as good as we really are. Just hold that. This is a debate about leadership, not about management. And Alan fell into the trap. If we know what the problem is, and we know what the answer is, then we need management. We don't need leadership. It's when we don't know what the problem is, and we don't know the solution, that we actually need leadership. My argument is a very simple one. Doctors, since around the 1980s, have been marginalised, disempowered and disenfranchised by the NHS machine. We want to lead, we naturally lead, but actually we're quite a bright lot and we know when we're not wanted. When I last used the Alan Maynard School of Medical Leadership Technique, as he expounds in his BMJ article, and refused to accept the behaviour of an acute trust with some variability around choosing book, sure enough, the problem was sorted out, but I was managed. Or perhaps I was sorted out and the problem was managed. But, you know, there was an issue about my behaviour. The NHS simply hasn't actually wanted clinical leaders. What they've wanted is clinical NCOs. All the time, they talk about leadership. But actually, what they want me to do is go back to the troops at the front line and tell them what time they've got to jump over the top. They're not interested in any impact I have around that staff room 10 miles behind the scenes. Just as everyone else in the world is going all Toyota-ish, the NHS in the last 10 years has gone all NHS sort of factory, um, Ford factory, hasn't it? It's all been, we must do it absolutely this way because this way will be more efficient. And no one else is doing that in the world anymore, but the NHS has decided that that's the way it should be done. No amount of those clinical variability, self-awareness, self-management or self-development will get you heard upstairs when you are on the production line. Did the one NHS A&E consultant at Midstaffs, did he have an opportunity to really demonstrate leadership? I suspect the only opportunity he really had, he should have left when the board refused to get three other A&E consultants to work in that department. That, I think, would have been leadership. So the question is, you know, should we just all walk away? Is that, is, you know, would the NHS be in a better place now if doctors had walked away? Because let's be honest, at some points in our history, that's what doctors' leaders have talked about. I, 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 don't think it, I don't think that's the case. And I think the system is changing. Grudgingly, I think the system is waking up to the fact they need doctors to help with this work. They've suddenly worked, woken up to the fact that it isn't that they know what the problem is, and it isn't that they know what the solution is, they don't know either of those, and they need leadership, and they need clinical leadership to help them find those answers. And that is beginning to happen. But I don't think doctors are failing in their duty to try and keep talking about that all the time. Time and time again, and if anyone was here today, I mean, the amount of clinical leadership that was sort of just bubbling around. I mean, just before lunch, the whole place was just bubbling with this sort of clinical leadership. It was fantastic to be here. And I think that that is just, it's just there. What's happened at the moment is there's an institutional prejudice against doctors leading the NHS. It's as simple as that. Last year's Next Stage Review, you know, when they asked clinicians, did they have problems filling the posts and SHAs? Not 
not in the slightest. They were inundated. And the enthusiasm that those doctors brought and the passion that they brought to be involved for the first, I mean, many of the consultants were saying, this is the first time I've been involved in being allowed to talk about service delivery at the very beginning, not before so many preconceived ideas have already been put in place. You know, these people were passionate about it. It's long been a tradition in all human endeavours, I think, to blame the individuals not sitting around the table for the problem. And I think the proposers of this debate are still maintaining that tradition. They imply that if only doctors did their duty, they would find themselves at the table. They would find themselves influence the leading debate. They seem to be saying that the reason why only 25% of PCTs have got medical directors is because GPs are boycotting it, or we've, we've got placards saying no medical directors or something. It's not the case. PCTs simply haven't got the posts there. Let me just briefly address the evidence-based medicine debate, or this variability. I mean, I accept there is variation in patient care. A lot of that variation is unacceptable. But I don't accept that it's a lack of clinical leadership that has caused that. I've never met a clinician, actually, who's ever been happy at being an outlier, ever. And if you show them the data, they work their socks off to either work out what's going on or to sort it out. So variation is something, the reason why we've got it is because we're not aware of it. You know, it's bizarre. As a GP, I get nothing when I'm flying my plane during the... I get my quaff things, of course, because that's money. But I get nothing about the NHS, no clinical data there. It's a bit like an airline, pilot, airline pilots having to go online to find an altimeter they can use whilst they're flying, or go online and find some sort of information about how to navigate from A to B. The NHS does not provide clinicians with the data to enable them to develop ways of dealing with this variability. We've seen it every time you do, like pack data for GPs prescribing, what happens? We get better quality care. It doesn't need us to lead. We're there leading. We need the information to enable us to do that. James Mountfield, in his piece in the BMJ, quotes the 2008 MINAP order to myocardial infarction as an example of unacceptable variation. You could have chosen a much better one, because in that, he, the, director of, the National Director of Heart Disease starts it by saying, the patients with heart attacks are being treated in NHS with results that are envied around the world. He talked about the fact that not enough of them were getting angioplasty, yet angioplasty had increased by 47% that year. Now, I reckon that's a success. It may not be enough yet, but we know why we're, you know, we're not meant to be falling on our swords if we don't get 100% every time a new change develops. That would be daft. Am I being nudged? I'm being nudged. Um, so, I had a crisis last night. I thought, they're right. <laughs> it was brief. And I came here today and I knew they were wrong. Thank you. James, thank you very much. I just wanted to ask you, you say the NHS should have provided the data, but what, shouldn't doctors have demanded the data much earlier on? I mean, that, that's a very passive, passive reaction that you're, you're saying the doctors should have... Didn't, why didn't they demand it? Well, I think we demand... I mean, how, often, how long do you demand things from a, a dead corpse? <laughs> <laughs> you know... It, I mean... <laughs> you, you know, you... you there's, there's, oh, 
you know, we're a canny lot. There's only so long you... I mean, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years, and I know when you've attempted to get something out, and you get that sort of glazed look. I mean, I'm still doing it, that's why I'm here. But it's bloody hard work, isn't it?